just another powerful testimony of how God worked specifically in the nice family to minister to them during that difficult time. And, and uh, yeah, I remember going through a lot of that with Mike and just how, um, how hard it was to see him lose both of his parents in just that short amount of time and quickly kind of become the one trying to take care of everything. And uh, what a phenomenal job he's done with that. I, I trust now that we're entering our second week of, of Tidings of Comfort, that this series will really minister to you. And let's just say it, a season of discomfort, uh, a lot of struggle going on in our country, in our world. And, and we're praising God that we can be in your homes and be in your watch groups and even have some people gathered here um, to just continue to minister to you. You know, it was uh, middle of the summer as we've gone through this 2020 and things are becoming a blur, but it's definitely moving slower than I'd like. I remember becoming, finishing up a tent series and um, every week I was in the tent, I, I was sweating like crazy. People were texting me after the sermon sometimes saying, are you okay? Are you dehydrated? Uh, uh, things like that. But uh, I remember as we got towards the end of August, the discussion as we were working on the Pioneer series was what are we going to do for Christmas? And I remember thinking out like, okay, let's try to get the temperature of what it might be like in December. We're hearing things of a second wave coming with the virus our country's struggling against, the whole world, I should say. Um, I was thinking it's going to be after an election that I can only imagine how that's going to go. Uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, man, it would probably be a good idea in a season like what we might be anticipating, only God knows, a time where we need comfort. A time where we just need to hear God speak into our lives words of truth, words of hope, words of encouragement, words of joy. And why not center that on a song that I was listening to just to try to, that's what I do sometimes. I'm weird like that. I'll listen to Christmas music in August to get ready for a Christmas series and write some things out. So I don't know how to get there emotionally otherwise. And I was listening to God rest you merry gentlemen. And I heard tidings of comfort. Enjoy, and, and I thought, man, every time I open my phone, turn on the TV, talk to somebody, run into somebody, all the conversation is centered around struggle, fear, anger, frustration, discouragement. And I thought, Lord, you've called me to be your under shepherd here in this area. I know one of my responsibilities is to try to comfort with my words, but I'm having trouble. I'm having trouble myself, let alone comforting others. But the Lord had used some of that preparation, specifically the sermon today, to speak into my anxious heart, and I pray it'll speak into yours, tidings of comfort. Hey, well, last week, Pastor John got us started, and what a great job he did talking about the God of all comfort. Don't you love that title that God gives himself? The God of all comfort. And we centered it on a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3 through 5. Let me just remind you of it, even though um, Mike referred to it during the, the video. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And, and we found a formula in there. We go through struggle this side of eternity. We won't struggle in glory. God comforts us through it. And then we have a role. Go comfort someone else. Be a comfort to someone else. See, we centered that on our first glad tiding in our series, and it's this. 
God gives comfort to us so that he can give comfort through us. How cool is that? How cool is it that God wants to use me as a conduit, as an agent, as a messenger to comfort someone else? Well, how do I know how to comfort them? Well, Chris, how have you been comforted? Oh, okay. Think of how I've comforted you, Chris, and now you take that comfort I've given you, and I want you to go comfort someone else. All right, well, Lord, you've given me a, a pulpit and you've given me a microphone. I'm going to use this opportunity to comfort others with a passage that you've really comforted me with. And that verse goes into action. Yes, exactly how I comfort you. Now go comfort them. Now, you might not have been given a microphone, but you might have another platform. You may not have been given um, a church auditorium, but, but maybe you've been given an opportunity with a group of friends where you have gone through a struggle and it's brought you an extra amount of compassion on that struggle and a desire to comfort others. That, that's, why these, that's why you see these um, different organizations build these, these wonderful agendas to help people who go through things like cancer and, and all sorts of different disease and struggle to encourage others because they probably experienced it themselves. So, so let me ask you here, right in the beginning of here, where we're still early in our series for the most part, are you a voice of comfort? In your home, are you a voice of comfort? If I came into your family and I sat down around your table, which I'm not allowed if I'm allowed to do that right now, but if I came into your house and I said, hey, who's the complainer in the family? Would they go, I am, okay. You know, who's the voice of comfort? Dad, mom, grandma. Who's the voice of comfort? I bet it's the person who's probably been through the most suffering. Because it's the people who have gone through the most discomfort that are often desirous to give the most comfort. And so young people, you might be thinking right now, I'm not kind of really all that comforting. I'm not like, this isn't that bad a year for me. I've gotten a lot of school off. That's been kind of cool. You know, you might be thinking this hasn't been so bad. But for some people who are out there, this has been a horrible year. And I speak on behalf of a church, well into the thousands now of people who are struggling financially, who have lost loved ones throughout this year who are hurting themselves, who are even sick right now, who are struggling through things, who are their businesses in trouble, even this moment. And if you've been comforted at all, God is saying to you this Christmas, you know, last Christmas you might not have sent the card, but this year you will. Last year you might have not gone and got the gift card for him, this year you will. Last year you might have saw that guy pumping gas and realized you got more money in him than you, you would have left, but this year you're going up to the pump going, hey, let me pay for that this time. That was last year. This year, since you've been comforted this year, you're going out of your way to find someone you can comfort, and that's when this series starts to get its legs. And I want to give to you today my turn to share with you how God has comforted me specifically this year and I'm going to give it to you. And I pray I fulfill this text 
in the sermon today. So, so here we go. Tidings of comfort. This is going to be my tidings of comfort to you. And I'm going to leverage the most famous chapter in scripture. So could you turn in your Bibles to it? Go ahead. Turn, turn your Bibles to the most famous chapter in scripture. You at home? I want you to turn your Bible to the most famous passage, chapter in scripture. Not most famous verse. The most famous chapter in scripture. Where are you going? Psalm 23, right? If you grew up in church, you probably had to memorize it, right? Psalm 23 is right up there with like Noah's Ark, Adam and Eve, right? I mean, you know, Abraham and Isaac, Psalm 23. How many of you already know how it begins without me even saying it? How many of you, when I say, we're going to talk about Psalm 23 today, you're like, ah, oh, why, you know, we, we went through a lot here in the middle of a pandemic. We came out here for Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is needed in 2020 more than any other passage I can even think of. There is a reason songs are number one hits. There is a reason things become trendy. There is a reason things become infamous. There is a reason everyone knows about Psalm 23. It's powerful. And that Psalm has brought me tremendous comfort as someone specifically who has been called an under-shepherd, very imperfect one, who longs to be like his shepherd, but for someone who also has struggled with all fear, anxiety, stress, second-guessing, frustration, tension, anger of 2020. And this psalm has brought me tremendous comfort. And God said, Chris, I comforted you with that psalm. Yeah, now you go comfort them. And so if you're here today and you're like, yeah, Psalm 23 is okay. By the time you walk out of here, you're going to be making pillows for your friends with Psalm 23 on it. I'm going to be that fired up about it today. So if you're not excited about Psalm 23, I hope by the end of today, you go, I should probably share some of Chris's excitement for Psalm 23. The number one text, in my opinion, to speak into an anxious heart. If you struggle with anxiety, you pick the right sermon. The number one text to walk into if you're having trouble walking in confidence in decision-making. The number one text if you're going through a time of suffering and you need Jesus to just kind of put your, his hand on your shoulder. The number one text to tell you that you are not going through this alone. You gotta go to Psalm 23. And when you open it and you explore the vast riches of this simple Psalm, which in my opinion is kind of like a little cliff note for the entire Bible. You see the power with which it was written and you feel the energy coming into you from the strength of its words. Psalm 23, in a time period where all that's being preached at us is fear, judgment, guilt, shame. You need this psalm. You cannot live without this psalm and I want it to be part of your repertoire that you've hidden in your heart you might not sin against him, but also that you might walk in faith throughout anything, the stinking side of glory that this world is. Psalm 23. Heavenly Father, as we enter this beautiful text, 
Fill us with curiosity. Fill us with excitement. Fill us with joy to hear from you and the comfort that you provide. The amazing shepherd of scripture that says, who's lying to you? And stop believing it. I'm with you. And I will always be with you. Lord, we need this psalm. There are many anxious hearts. There are many trembling moms. Many nervous business owners. Many struggling dads. Many confused children. Many defeated administrators. Many scared hospital workers. Many, many fatigued teachers. God, we need this text today. Would you speak it to everybody listening, gathered in every room and in their homes? In your name we pray, amen. Let's dive into this awesomeness, ready? The Lord, David says, writing in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, what do you think of when you think shepherd? You got it, you got it, you know I got one. Let's go. All right, this is legit too, man. This is like sight and sound quality. I mean, this is a staff. I mean, when I think of shepherd, I think of a staff, right? Kids, you out there? I mean, that's the first thing you think of. You think of a staff, but it it seems archaic. So you're gonna have to bring me into the 21st century, Chris, and get excited about this thing because nobody's really walking around with these now. So, So tell me about what a shepherd does. Well, a shepherd takes care of sheep. And it does a phenomenal job. The shepherd protects them with his staff. He, he guides them. Did you know a shepherd counts the sheep with his staff as they go through? I'm looking like I'm whacking them. He's not, he's not whacking them. You know? He's counting them as they go through the sheepfold. A shepherd staff makes me think of the care of a shepherd. And David says, this is awesome. Track with me. The Lord is my shepherd. Now he uses the word Yahweh. So he says, you know the God that when, when those Seas were split in two. You know the God who made that happen? Yeah, that's my shepherd. You know the God who delivered time and time again for his people? Do you know the God that knocked down the walls of Jericho? Do you know the God that when the shepherd's staff struck the rock, he gave water to his people? You know that awesome and mighty God of scripture, Yahweh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jehovah Jireh, the God of angel hosts? Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's my shepherd my shepherd. And and then he goes, I'm even more excited about that. Because of cause of that, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, how many of you, when you were a kid, you go, I don't want to tell the Sunday school teacher, but I don't think that's a good verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want him. No, no, that's not what it's saying. See, little Christopher had that little confused. This want here, when we dive down into it, it's powerful. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not, let me do this, lack for anything. I'm gonna do it again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack for anything. Here's why this is important. Young people, stay with me. Marketing is targeted at every single one of us to tell us we lack. You need this. You got to have this. If you don't have this, you don't need that. You need this. You know what? You're not that pretty. You need this. You know what? You're not that strong. You better get this. You know what? You don't have the money to get this, but you should maybe get this. All that we're taught, all that we're shown, all that we're 
put in front of us is you lack, you lack, you lack, you lack. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I will lack for nothing. You see, on one end, when you lack for everything, you look at life with a scarcity mindset. I'm like, I don't have enough. I'm not gonna be able to do this. I'm not gonna be able to handle this. I mean, I'm gonna be this. If you look at life through an abundant mindset, the Lord's my shepherd, the awesome Yahweh who can do anything, it's, I could do this. I could do this through him. I could do this through him. I could do this through him. If I have him on my side, I could do anything. But that's not my favorite part of this text. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. My favorite, my very favorite word in that whole thing is only two letters. Can you find it? And it's not is. My. My shepherd. David says, the Lord isn't a good shepherd. The Lord isn't just a great shepherd. The Lord isn't just the shepherd of all. The Lord's my shepherd. He leads me. And what's awesome about that, everybody, okay, is David didn't have a little God. A God who can, I'm not sure if he'll take care of me. Uh, He didn't have a little God of, I wonder if he knows what's going on in my life. He didn't have a God that goes, I don't like you anymore because the way you behave. He had a big, massive, mighty God. Let me illustrate visibly. I'm going to act this out. I'm going to play the role of God. Nobody get up and leave. I'm just acting. Okay. All right. I'm just, I fall far short. I'm going to be God. I'm going to hold the staff. I'm going to be Yahweh. All right. Now I'm going to get out David. Hold on. He's in here. Okay. Here's David. Okay. Now I want to bring power. I want to bring power to this text. Okay. I'm going to set him right here. Okay. If you're watching online, hopefully you can still see him. There's David. Okay. He says to you, the Lord is my shepherd. And and that's God's entrance. Go ahead and say the rest. I shall not want. That's my boy. This is how big David's God was. Massive. Massive. And David knew who he had with him. And so he laughed when the Philistine talked trash to him. This this guy literally has no idea. He's like, hey God, he has no idea how big you are. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. And my children who do know how big I am are never afraid. Whoa, I gotta read this song. I got to read this psalm because men are scaring me right now. My decision-making is questioning me right now. My life, I'm going through struggle right now. There's death around me and stuff. I need this psalm because, because I've got this messed up, I think, Chris, and this is so easy, and this is what the devil wants. I, I'm going to illustrate now. I'm going to act out what anxiety looks like. I got another guy. This is going to be God. I'm now going to be Chris again. Okay, David, we need to take you out for a second. When this is your God, and this is you, you know what happens? The Lord is my shepherd, but I better take care of myself. 
I've got to supply for my family. I mean, I've got a mortgage. I mean, I'm in the Lord. She's my shepherd. Oh my gosh, you see that over there? Oh my goodness, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Are you going to do something? Do you see what's happening to my family? What's wrong with you? Oh my goodness, I've got to do this. Oh my Lord, my Lord. I'm done. I'm done. I've got, I can't. I can't. I can't anymore. That's what the devil wants. He wants you to have a tiny, tiny God you pray to. He can't take care of you. He fails you. He doesn't know what's going on. He can't minister to you right now. You're stuck and you're on your own. So you better be tough. You better be brave. Fake it, dad. You got to make sure those kids think you're in control. I mean, you got to know what's going on, mom. You got to handle it with faith and drive to school saying it's going to be fine or whatever you're going through. But you know, seeing your saint sitting in your room, you're scared, you're a little bit lonely and it's okay because a shepherd wants to talk to all of you today. Not me, the Lord. And David is gonna tell you, I wanna tell you about my shepherd. And so don't miss this, Psalm. Don't, don't sleep on this text. David is gonna tell you eight things about his great and mighty shepherd. Because this is true. I wanna quote Philip Keller, who is a shepherd who reviewed the Psalms himself and spoke from a shepherd's perspective. He said, the lot in life of any particular sheep depended on the type of man who owned it. Who's your shepherd? Do you have a big, big God? I pray you do. And I pray you're filled with enthusiasm to find out what David's shepherd was like. Because here's the cool thing. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, the same shepherd that cared for David is the same shepherd in 2020 and into 21 and into 22, hopefully not that long, that's gonna go with you. In this text, I wanna share it this Christmas because many people believe that David was sharing a messianic psalm. What does that mean? It's a big word they use in the Bible colleges and in the seminaries that speaks towards the fact that this may be a psalm pointing to Jesus Christ, the boy child of Bethlehem who would grow one day to say, I am the what? Good Shepherd, and you can't spell good without the letters for God. He is the good shepherd. And he told his disciples, he said to them, let me tell you, the thief is gonna come to steal, kill, and destroy. He's coming for you. In this world, you're gonna have trouble, you're gonna have suffering, and he's gonna want you to think it's because of me. But it's because of sin, because of sinners who hurt us and wound us, because of sin, bad choices we make, and because of Satan, who desires to destroy your family, ruin your life, and steal anything that abundance could come from Jesus Christ. He says, I didn't come to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd, you know what he does? He lays down his life for the sheep. One shepherd said, when I got my first sheep, I bought 30 and I used all of my savings to buy my use, E-W-E. 
He said, when I bought them, I named them all. I care for each one of them specifically. I knew them. I protected them. I guarded them. I gave everything I had for them. See, purchasing his sheep, purchasing his fold was costly. It was expensive. And Jesus says, I spent more than that. I gave my life for my sheep. The good shepherd does that. And he uses a little illustration. Jesus says this in John 10, 11, uh, 10 through 15. He says, he who has a hired hand and not a shepherd, he does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep. He runs. And the wolf snatches them and he scatters them. He flees because he is the hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But that's not Jesus. Look what Jesus says. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I know them and they know me. I want to give you a parent hack, parents. I want to give you a leadership hack, leaders out there. I want to give you an inspiration hack, if you will. I want to give you eight specific characteristics of the shepherd in Psalm 23 that if this is all you get right teaching your children, parents, they're going to do well in life. You can teach them manners, you can teach them politeness, you can teach them to be fake kind to people, whatever you want to do. All those things are fine. But if you really want to see a young person grow their faith, you've got to teach them who God is because that will keep on the rails or derail faith. Because the devil is going to spend his entire life, the prince of the power of the air, on air, He's going to spend their entire life preaching to them that the shepherd's not good. But if you can get through that, leaders out there who want to be shepherds for other people and guide other people, if you can grasp these things, you're going to be ahead of the thief who's coming to steal, kill, and destroy if you know David's shepherd. Now, eight things everyone must know about the good shepherd given to you by David. I want you to feel them. I want you to write them down if you need them. And I want you to see this in the Psalm. I want you to also understand something about Psalm 23. Have you ever noticed something when you zoom back out of it? I want to throw a timeline up here. Take a look at this. Psalm 23 is really neat in this sense. It's really a glimpse of the life of a lamb over an entire year span. The lamb's at home with his shepherd. But before long, he needs to go out and he takes him out on the green pastures. And then the shepherd walks him along still waters. They come to some spots where the lamb needs restoring. For sometimes lambs wander off. And before you know it, the lamb is guided onto the right paths as he heads through the traverse to where the shepherd has for him. Sometimes that means going through the valley, dark times, even fearful times. He comes upon a place where he's surrounded by his enemies and then even arrives at the tables of mercy, which is very interesting, and the tables of mercy in summer where they were taken up on top of what was called tables or pastures that were on top of hillsides before returning to the shepherd's home. 
That's Psalm 23. And, and, and a careful eye could even see the Bible played out here of the Garden of Eden, man's fall, a savior and redemptive work, and then finally an eternal dwelling place. Psalm 23 is a stunning journey of a little sheep being led by his shepherd. And the great and mighty David, the great and mighty David, oh, Saul killed his thousands, but David had killed his tens of thousands, said, I'm going to write Psalm 23 from a little lamb's perspective, because that's what I am. I'm a sheep. And inspired and God-breathed, he writes, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You see, sheep need shepherds. I, I, I'm not going to try to be mean here, David, but sheep are dumb, okay? They're kind of stupid. I love you, sheep, but they're not the most intelligent animals in the world, okay? Um, you're, you're probably never going to go um, to a carnival or anything and, and watch the sheep do things, okay? It's not, it's not going to happen, all right? They're kind of senseless, but they're also defenseless. See, sheep, I don't want to pick on you, but, but, but sheep... Um, can't defend themselves. Uh, they're not made like lions who can stand up for themselves. Uh, they're basically doomed if something attacks them. God didn't make them to defend themselves. And, and, and they're also helpless. They can't go hunt. Sheep can't go hunt for themselves. They're, they're helpless creatures. And over 200 some times, you know what we're called as children of God in scripture? Sheep. Sheep. So, so wouldn't it be smart if you're trying to destroy that sheep's life is try to get it to do things it's not capable of doing? Hey, provide for yourself. Hey, get everything done. Come on, keep, keep up, keep up. <laughs> but you know what? This little lamb knows something. Go ahead, say it, say it, say it. My shepherd loves to take care of me. That's right. My shepherd, tell him again. My shepherd loves to take care of me. I love to take care of you. Teach it to your children. College students, let me hear it. God loves to take care of you. And the devil wants to say, oh no, he doesn't. Oh no, he doesn't. Don't listen to this. My shepherd loves to provide for me. It'll change your prayer life. Heavenly Father, I know you don't really want to listen to me right now. No, 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 child of God. Heavenly Father, I know you want to provide for me. Make sure I'm thinking the right way here, but I know I'm praying to a big God, and I know you're going to provide for me, and I'm not going to, I'm, even, I'm going to pray that way. I'm going to pray to a God that I know wants to provide for me. The devil says I lack. The devil says I've got to provide for myself. I've got to do this. I've got to save for retirement. I've got, I've got, to, I've got to pay for this mortgage. I've, 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 I've. And, and, and be a lion. Be tough. Be awesome. And God's going, but you're just a little sheep. Let me do it. Any dad out here is worth the salt. Loves to provide for his family. I love to provide for my kids. In fact, sometimes when they don't want my help, I'm kind of just a tiny bit offended. I like to provide. Now college has come. I don't like to provide as much, but, but I used to. <laughs> but the shepherd loves to provide for you. Let it change your prayer life. 
God, I pray to a shepherd who wants to provide, and you're a big God. You don't want little prayers. Dear Jesus, help me have a good day. Is that okay? Is that all we're doing? Help me have a good day. Is that all you're looking for? You might have a little God. Tell him, my God loves to provide for me. All right, let's do the next one. He, he does this. The lamb goes out. He goes out by still water. See, I love this. We can't just stay up. I love that last lamb just laying in green pastures, okay? We can't just stay there. The shepherd knows this. Shepherd said, until I get to the point where the max benefit of the land and the max benefit for the sheep has been reached. Until I get to that point, I stay. But when we reach max benefit for the sheep and for the land, we leave, we move on, we create change. I lead them. But here's how he leads, David says. My shepherd leads me beside still waters. Why is that important? They're not angry waters and, and scary waters because sheep get scared easy. If they're by scared waters, it's more like, mm -hmm. all my fake sheep acting, I, I hope I'm not, I love sheep. But there's more to it than that. It reminds me those still waters is where a, where a lamb can get some drink. So God's saying to me, when I lead you, when I take you through change, you may not see everything that's coming, but I'm gonna provide for you along the way. There'll be still waters along the way. Go ahead and tell them, David. Go ahead and tell them what you know about me. This is it. My shepherd directs me with peace, not fear. Tell them again. My shepherd directs me with peace, not fear. They need to know that because there's an enemy out there that likes to direct them with fear. Look out, watch out. You better do this. You better hurry up. You better hurry up and make the deal. If you don't, if you don't buy this car tonight, it's gonna to sell tomorrow. Well, then sell it. Because my shepherd does not entice me, does not manipulate me, does not coerce me, does not pressure me, does not make me feel guilty if I don't do it. That's not how my shepherd leads me. Good luck trying that with me. Because my shepherd directs me with peace along still waters. And if I lack peace about it, then I know it's probably not of God. That's why this leadership, we try to not make hasty decisions. Sometimes we're late with our decisions and that's not fun for us either, but we don't want to make them in haste because we know our Lord wants to lead us with peace, not fear. Young people get this. You're gonna hear your whole life, you better do this, you better hurry up, you better do this. If you're ever being led by, I don't want to do it. I'm afraid if I don't, if I, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. That's not how the shepherd leads. He leads with peace. He leads by still waters. He'll calmly direct you and lead you to what you have. He restores my soul. Sometimes little lambs, they get off and they wander away and they get themselves in trouble. There's the worst thing that can happen to a little lamb is to be cast. Do you know what that means? I'm feeling athletic. I'm going to try it today. Here, here, I'm going to act out a cast lamb. Here we go. Hold on. Okay. There we go. That's what it looks like. Okay. Man. All right. Okay. How tough are you right now in this position? Ah, I can't, you know, they're too, they're too fat to do anything. And what happens is their gas builds up inside them and they die. This is big. My shepherd 
won't give up on me. David, tell him again. Tell him again. Tell him again. My shepherd won't give up on me. Tell him again. My shepherd won't give up on me. As a pastor, do you know how many people I hear tell me God don't want to hear my prayers? You don't understand, Chris. You don't know what I've done. I'm destroyed inside. I've made so many bad decisions. I've wandered so far from God. If I walked into your church, the paint would probably melt off. You a child of God? Yeah, I got got saved by you. He will never, he will never, he will never give up on you. He'll restore your soul. God's in the business of start overs. I'll get texts from time to time, Pastor Chris, have you ever done something so bad you think you'll never recover? My answer, yeah. But here's a few things I say to my Lord in prayer. God, I know you want to restore me, so would you restore me? I know you're not finished with me, so would you help me be patient with me? And you offer mercy and forgiveness, so I'm going to take that. I'm going to start over. See, the devil wants to say, shame on you. Don't you dare pray. He ain't listening to you. And it's lack, and you lack, and you lack, but you have a good shepherd that when you struggle, and even when you fail, this is how I want you picturing him. Father, forgive me. I've, I've fallen, and I can't get up. Let's do it again. Go and sin no more. Anybody else want to throw a stone at him? Anyone want to throw the first stone? Scripture tells me he knelt down by the adulterous woman. He wanted to make sure she knew he was next to her, not with the crowd condemning her. My God will never give up on me. Don't you let the devil lie to you. David says it's better than that. It gets better. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You want to know something interesting about sheep? They have mob mentality. They, cra- they go with the crowd. I mean, that's not like humans, right? They, they literally, oh, we're all going over there? Okay, they all go over there. Oh, over here? Okay, ah, scary. Oh, okay. And they follow each other around. So whatever's being preached across the media, across your screens, whatever, the mob goes, okay, 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 okay. That's what the sheep do. But the shepherd, he does something great. He leads them in paths of righteousness. A shepherd knows this about sheep. The greatest safeguard for his sheep, the greatest safeguard is to actually keep them on the move. When they keep them on the move, they're actually safer than if they just stay put. But when he guides them, when he leads them, tell them, David, you tell them. My shepherd will take me on the right paths. You tell him again. My shepherd will take me on the right paths. That's right. I only lead. I only lead you on the right paths. You're going to get distracted. There's going to be a lot of different paths this world's going to offer you. And you'll have people back up that, that, yeah, maybe that's the path. Maybe that's the path. Maybe that's the path. I need that. I got to have that. I got to, I want that. But I'm going to take you on the right path. Are you going to hear my voice? Which voice are you going to listen to? Tell them, my shepherd will take me on the right path. Young people, college students, seniors, anybody. Jesus isn't going to ever steer you wrong. There will be people along your life journey that will. 
He will not. He only leads on the right path. Oh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. See, when I take the stick, when I take the stick, I'm afraid I'm going to make the wrong decision and, and, and Jesus won't say, God won't help me. And, and I've been praying and praying and I'm afraid I'm going to make the wrong decision. Well, the things my dad always told me, he said, hey, you know the difference between leaders and people who are not leaders? Oh, go ahead, dad. Leaders make decisions. It's that simple. Leaders make the decision. And so when you got two good options and you're not sure which one's the Lord's, make a decision and trust him to shut the door if it's the wrong decision. God, I'm gonna go this way. If you stop me, I won't go that way. Okay, we're going that way. I will never lead you down the wrong path. Just be willing to submissively let me lead. And I want to guide you. And that's the problem. Sometimes the shepherd puts a clear block and we go, not thy will, God, but mine be done. My shepherd will take me on the right path. Here's the fifth one. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I want you to understand something. It's not the valley of death. It's the valley of the shadow of death. And so there's shadows and I see things. See, death, its substance isn't there. It's the shadow, okay? A shadow of a dog can't bite me. The dog has to actually bite me. But, but I go through and I see shadows. But that encourages me even in the valleys of life because in order for there to be a shadow, there has to be a light, right? So there's a light somewhere even in the shadow of death. But that's fearful at times. But David says, I don't have to be scared even in those difficult, rough times. Maybe you're in that season of life right now where you feel imminent danger all around you. David says, you know what? Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. See, see David looked at danger without fear for he said, you are with me. You're with me, God. We're doing this together. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's a time in my life where I got to go on a mission trip. It was like 100 degrees when we got to this country. I'd never gotten a passport before. I mean, I never got anything before. I've never been that far away from home. And I'm in this country and it's like 100 degrees and then you add the humidity, it was awful. So the conditions were really, really hot. And we were there as a basketball team. So we're playing um, sports and sweating like crazy. And then you would go to take a shower and you didn't want to. You wanna know why? There are tarantulas in the shower. We're staying at this camp and there's tarantulas in the shower. When you went to the bathroom. I'm not going to act it out. But when you went to the bathroom, you had to stay up above the toilet. That's how bad it was. Tensions began to run high in the humidity. We're playing sports. We're not taking showers. We're in close water quarters. I mean, just frustrations all around. And during one of the games, I went up for a shot. I had my legs taken out from me. And I went down and I hit my hip. And bam, I couldn't, I couldn't even stand. Before you know it, I was being put in a car. My coach had to stay with the team. So I'm in the car with one of the, the, the nationals there and they're driving me to the doctor. 
I show up in this hut, and before you know it, people are dancing and doing weird stuff all over me, and this guy's on top of me, and all of a sudden, I'm like, my hip snapped, and I feel better, but I feel like some kind of satanic ritual just happened to me, and I'm like, this is the worst trip of my life. Why would I go on this mission trip? I go home that night, I'm laying in my cabin, sweaty. I'm not sure what just happened down here. I'm like, Holy Spirit, I've never prayed to you before, but I need you right here. And I'm sitting there, I'm like 22 years old, and I'm praying, and I go, I just, I just, oh, God, I need you right now. I'm just so alone. I'm just feeling so fearful and alone. I just, I just want to go home, and I look up, and I see a tarantula crawling across my ceiling, which means at any moment he's in my bed, any moment. I just want to go home to 111 North 9th Street and lay in my sweet bed with my air conditioner and look at my Michael Jordan posters, and I can't. And God gave me this passage. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not just in Percocy. I'm right here in Trinidad and Tobago with you. I'm with you wherever you go. Tell him, tell him, tell him, David. My shepherd is always with me. Child of God, please don't ever preach this lie again. I'm all alone. Mom, they're not alone at college. He's with them. Child, adult child. Grandma in that hospital room right now that you can't get to because of COVID. She's not alone. He's right there. You're not alone at home. He's right there with you, child of God. Tell him, David, my shepherd is always with me. I'm always with you. Well, then God, would you take care of them? I can't be with them right now. I had a sweet, powerful moment when I let one of our first kids go off to college as I'm driving home, I'm praying, and I just felt the Spirit prompted me to say, Chris, you gotta leave, but don't worry. I'll stay with him. He's with me wherever I go. Well, not only that, he prepares a table before my enemies. Let's walk down the final journey. In the presence of my enemies, you prepare a table. Now, there's, there's some shepherd speak here. This table's not necessarily a table where we eat food, but the idea here is that sometimes sheep quarrel. Did you know they're actually jealous creatures of one another? They quarrel a little bit. Hundreds of times we're called sheep in scripture, but they get jealous of one another. And you know what? Sometimes they have enemies and they, and they, and they have this, you know what God says, even amongst the wolves or whatever in my life, whatever conflict, he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Now, 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 if I were to come into a room and I saw all my enemies, now hopefully the room's not that big, but I'm not sure if I came in and be like, oh, oh, hey, whoa, whoa, okay. God collected everyone who hates me and they're all here. My, my picture, David, is God walks into that room and goes, hey, Chris, hey, Chris, let's eat. Oh, okay, okay. You do know who's here, right? Yeah, let's eat. Okay, all these people bring tremendous tension in my life. I know they clearly hate me, and when I feel tension, I can't eat, God. You don't understand. Anxiety makes it, you have this thing in your stomach. You can't eat. It's like you, you almost starve because you can't eat. There's so much tension. Let's eat, Chris, with me wherever I go. 
He prepares a table for me, which what the shepherds do is they went up into the highlands, sometimes even took minerals up into the highlands and spread them over the grass. And even when the sheep were amongst their enemies, they would take them up into the summertime period, up into the tables that they went ahead and prepared before them. God knows what he needs, we need. And he even goes before us, even when you're amidst conflict. There's two more. He says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You know what's interesting about sheep? They are dirty. It's easy for them to get a lot of dirt inside their hair. If you've ever been around a bulldog, you know they got a lot of wrinkles. And any bulldog owner say, you gotta, you gotta clean under their wrinkles. It can get kind of yucky down there. Well, with sheep, they can get yucky and dirty. And there's even a worse time. There's something called fly time where they get lots of flies and then the whole flock can get flies. You know what the shepherd does? They create an oil and put it on their heads and anointing their heads with oil, it calms them. They're really agitated and frustrated and, and banging and conflict and all these things. And the shepherd puts oil on their head and relaxes them. He cleans them up. He cleans them up. He anoints their heads with oil. He cares for them, even whatever hardship they're going through. Tell them, tell them, tell them. My shepherd takes care of me in hardship. How does he do it? Often through his agents of comfort. You and me, the church, people. I have people sometimes saying, I was going through all this and where was God in this? And they look at it from a position of lack. Well, I said, well, Look at how your husband's caring for you. Well, that's true. He is wonderful. Well, who provided him for you? Oh, well, the Lord. Well, well, I, I'm just going through so much. Well, well, didn't that treatment actually help? Yeah, well, who gave wisdom to the doctors to provide that for you? I mean, God is providing for you through all these types of different agents. And Mike and Laura and their testimony were so clear in sharing that. Oh, we're so tempted to think he's not gonna care for us, but God is caring for you. And then David concludes, he says, surely goodness and mercy are gonna follow me all the days of my life. And this follow me literally means will pursue me vigorously. Goodness, to be good to someone is not to be nice to someone. I can be nice to someone I don't like. To be good to someone means I'm good to them. I wish their best. And mercy means I'm gonna treat them in ways they don't deserve. That's my shepherd. He's gonna follow me. He's gonna vigorously pursue me all the days of my life. And then David concludes as this little lamb, speaking of his father's loyal love, he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If all else fails on this earth, at least I know my shepherd Tell him, David, tell him. My shepherd will comfort me until I'm home. That's right. I will comfort you until you're home. You see, as humans, we make the mistake. We think dying is the worst thing could happen. And this little lamb's life going home to the shepherd forever is the greatest thing could ever happen. Free from tension, free from struggle, free from valleys, free from, from pain and hardship. The Lord says, I'll take care of you for the rest of your days here on earth as well as long into glory. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Eight characteristics. Eight characteristics you must know about God. You'll be lied to your entire life by the enemy. 
Listen to Jesus' voice, the good shepherd, when he shares this with you. I will love you and provide for you. The good shepherd will direct you in peace, not in fear. The good shepherd's gonna restore you when you fail. The good shepherd's gonna guide you on the right path. The good shepherd will always be with you. The good shepherd will be for you, not against you. The good shepherd will care for you in hardship and the good shepherd will comfort you until you're home. Here's our glad tidings. God is with me so that he can always provide comfort to me. God is with me so that he can always provide comfort to me. Last week, we now will pile on to this. God of comfort comforts us so that we can comfort, so he can give comfort through us. Now we have two glad tidings and that leads us to specific action as we close. How can you comfort someone? Which stage of life do you find yourself in? Put up the lamb's life. Maybe there's a time of unease in your life, a time of change you're going through, a time of struggle, a time of confusion, a time of danger, a time maybe of conflict. Maybe it is a time of hardship or a time of uncertainty. Whatever it is, I want you to pray with this imagery. If you're listening to this on a podcast, I'd love you to get the video. But this imagery, I want you to pray to a God who loves to take care of you, who's gonna be with you, he'll pick you up when you fall. I want you to pray to that Lord. There's an awesome song that I let play while I was preparing this sermon through the summer and even this week as I was re-going through it. The God of all my days by casting crowns. I want you to listen to that song. This week, that's your homework. I know it's not a Christmas song, but I want you to speak comfort to you because you might be in one of these different boxes of life and the shepherd wants you to know, I'm gonna go with you. I will never leave you. We're gonna do this together. Don't let him lie to you. Heavenly Father, thank you for being our good shepherd. Lord, this has been a tough year. There's a lot of unease, a lot of unrest, a lot of struggle, a lot of pain, a lot of loss, a lot of fear. And Psalm 23 just cuts like a knife into that anxiety. As David, who went through all these struggles, Lord, he walked away from you and failed with Bathsheba. He got arrogant and counted censuses and took off into battle without talking to you. He was a dad who had regrets with how he treated his sons. David went through all these struggles, but he said, through them all, through them all, you were the God of all my days. You never left me. You were always with me. Speak into that home today. Speak into that room or speak into this congregation and remind them, I'm with you. I'm going through that box that you saw on that screen that you know you're in right now, but you're not alone. You're not lacking. I'm with you and I will see you through. 
And even if it means calling you home to me, you will dwell in my house forever. Amen.